Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do you tend to fill your mind with therapeutic Christianity? In what you look at on social media, what you listen to, who you follow, what you read, does it tend to be a more therapeutic Christianity that inspires you, encourages you, makes you feel good about yourself? What am I talking about here? You know, there's a trend in Christianity, and we see it in many popular Catholic circles today. It's a trend that focuses on only half of the gospel message, only half. You know, the message that God loves you no matter what you've done. He loves you, and he can so easily forgive you. You are beautiful in his eyes. That, my friends, is a beautiful part of the gospel message, that it's only half of the gospel. Or the message that you just need to trust more. Just trust and surrender. Surrender everything. Let go and let God. And he'll take care of you. God has an amazing plan for your life. You just got to let him lead you. Again, a beautiful part of the gospel. But only half. Or how about the idea that God wants to meet you as you are. He wants to affirm you. He wants to comfort you in your sufferings. He wants to heal you of your wounds. These are all beautiful messages. I've talked about many of these themes on this very podcast, and I've written about them in my books. I love it all. But it's only half of the gospel message. Without the cross, without the cross of Jesus Christ, this is not Christianity. Without the cross of Jesus Christ, all of this is not going to really help us. It's not going to help us grow in deeper friendship with Christ. It's not going to transform us. It's not going to heal the deep roots of our sins. Jesus Christ, crucified and risen from the dead, that is the full gospel message. And we need that if we want to grow in deeper friendship with Christ. Think about what Jesus did. All throughout his public ministry, he's saying things like, deny yourself, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. So here's my question. In what you're taking in and how you're forming your mind, do you receive messages reminding you to deny yourself, to pick up your cross? Do the people you follow, the things you read, what you listen to, is it challenging you to pick up the cross? Or how about Jesus' message all throughout his public ministry? He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, that's a big word. That tells me that something significant is off inside of me. If Jesus is telling me to repent, he's telling me to turn around. There's something seriously off. I have a sin problem in my soul. Uh, This is an urgent issue. I need to turn away from certain things. I need to turn away from darkness. I turn away from the flesh, turn away from sin, from pride, from selfishness. Am I regularly filling my mind with this reminder that I need to repent? You know, Jesus, in his his teachings, he tells us that you must give up everything, he says. Give up everything and follow me. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is all a part of the true gospel message. My friends, if we want to be transformed in Jesus Christ, if we want to really be made holy, we really want to be healed at the deepest levels of our existence. We need the whole gospel, not just half. And that's what I want to talk about 
in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri, and I want to give a shout out to all those who are at the Marian Eucharistic Congress at Ave Maria, Florida this weekend. It was so awesome. I was down at the university there, and they had hundreds of people gathered at their auditorium. It was amazing. No masks. I got to see everybody's faces. It was incredible because down there in Florida, they're following all the local regulations. It's open, and people were so thankful. People came from different parts of the country for this. So thankful to be able to gather again together for worship, for prayer, for fellowship. So hats off to Ave Maria for putting that off. That was awesome. I also want to give a shout out to 180 focus missionaries who are moving on to the next phase of what God is calling them in life. So these are people who served in focus for two or five or 10 years. Uh, and then God is calling them to new things now. So I was just with them in South Dakota. So blessings upon them as well. So whether you are a new listener, just joining us for the first time, welcome, or you've been with us for a long time, I want to remind you all that I do these show notes each week uh, and you can get them. And that gives a little more background, a little more, uh, sometimes some quotes from scripture, quotes from some of the saints. I reference certain resources that could be helpful for you. And you can get those show notes very easily. All you need to do is pull out your phone and text to 3377 text the word all things Catholic, all one word, all things Catholic to 33777. And you can get the weekly reminders about the show. You can get the show notes there all for free from our our good friends at Ascension Press who produce this show. So let's go back to this idea though of therapeutic Christianity. What is this really all about? You know, some scholars describe this, this phenomena we've seen the last 10 years, but especially in recent years, in the younger generation, people in their 20s and 30s, particularly embracing this. Uh, it's the idea that God is kind of like the divine therapist. You know, people love God. They love religion in the sense that God helps me solve my problems. That would be one big feature. You know, how do I view God? God is my problem solver. When I've got difficulties and challenges, he solves all my problems. And don't get me wrong, that's a really good thing. I turn to God many times a day with all my problems. But that's the the main way that one relates to God. Imagine if I treated my wife that way. You know, my wife is there just to solve my problems. Hey, honey, here's my list of problems. Can you write a report and help me solve them and give it to me by the end of the day? (laughs) You know, I hope my marriage isn't so utilitarian. Don't get me wrong. God solves our problems. We should take all of our problems to the Lord, of course. But God wants more than just for us to come to him with our problems. He wants us to come to him with our hearts. He wants us to give our hearts to him and to follow him. And, and to be like him, to love like him. A second feature of therapeutic Christianity is that it makes me feel good about myself. That's what, that's what God does. God makes me feel good about myself. So I like little quotes, beautiful memes, nice little stories. And, you know, these are things that just make me feel good. I feel encouraged. I feel affirmed. I feel inspired. Again, that's not Christianity. Uh, again, I hope Christianity, there's moments where we do feel good, where we feel close to God. But real Christianity is very much about the transformation in our hearts, turning away from sin and beginning to love like Jesus loves. At the Last Supper, the night before Jesus died, he gives his great commandment. His great commandment wasn't feel good about one another as I feel good about you. No, <laughs> it's love one another as I have loved you. It's love. And how did Jesus love us? He laid down his life for us. He served us. He denied himself. He went to the cross. 
But in therapeutic Christianity, you don't hear a lot about the call to virtue. You don't hear about imitating Jesus, loving like him, serving like him, sacrificing sacrificing like him, being patient like he's patient, forgiving like he is forgiving, enduring suffering, willing to bear suffering like he bore suffering. Therapeutic Christianity, a lot of presentations about the faith today, you don't hear a lot about the cross. I think part of it is that maybe we don't hear a lot about sin, like a deep sense of sin. Think about how many how many memes do you see on social media all about sin and how 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 serious sin is. <laughs> you know, you don't get a lot of likes and <laughs> for for posting about sin. You know, I think many people today because of this more therapeutic approach to Christianity, they view sin as like I mean they know it's something bad and they know they all do it, but they view it more as like a mistake. You know, oh, I made a mistake, you know. Ah shucks. You know, it's a foul ball. <laughs> you know, I can be easily forgiven. I can get another chance. I'll just bring it to confession. As a friend of mine told me earlier today, he says, like, there's a lot of people going to confession, but not as many people living the act of contrition. I go to confession, get forgiven, I feel better. But am I really sincerely trying all my best to avoid sin? Do I have the sense of the weight of sin? That sin isn't just a mistake, it's slavery. I mean, this is the reality. This is what the Bible teaches about sin. Every time we give in to sin, the enemy gets a stronger hold on us. The devil has a stronger hold on us. This is what the Bible says. Titus chapter three, verse three, we were once foolish, disobeyed, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. That's what sin is. It's a participation in the reign of the devil, the devil getting us to follow his ways and not God's ways. This is serious. I don't know about you, but I know when I look into my own soul, I can feel it. I'm going to ask you, look in your own soul. Do you have areas in your soul that you know deep down you're, you're a slave? Like you just react a certain way when something happens. You always react this way. And you, you hate that you react that way. You react afraid. You react with anger. You react with frustration. You react with cowardice. And you don't say anything when you should say something. You know what I'm talking about? We're a slave. The enemy has a hold on us. We have certain anxieties that just, just hold us down. That's, that's the devil rattling us, disturbing our inner peace. Uh, the enemy keeps us in darkness sometimes where we just can't see or, or we're a slave to our emotions, right? I mean, how many emotions were a slave to? We're a slave to fear, to discouragement. The little thing goes wrong. I get easily discouraged. You know, or I, I don't trust God. I'm worried about the future. Or I, or I, or I, I'm a slave to my, my lust, a slave to my anger. That's not good. I want to be freed from that. Therapeutic, feel-good Christianity can't help me with that. I'm a slave to certain desires. You know, therapeutic Christianity gives an impression. You'll hear many presentations of the faith that, oh God, if you have the desire in your heart, then, then that's from God. And, you know, God's going to fulfill your desires. I'm thinking, no, I have many desires that I know are not from God. Not every desire you have is from God, right? I mean, we all have certain desires that we know are wrong. Like I have a desire to get even with someone. <laughs> I have a, des a lustful desire. I have a desire for control or desire for revenge, whatever it is. I mean, th those things aren't good. I, I pray, Jesus, help me to die to those desires. I may have desires for attention, for praise, for honor, and for success that will never satisfy me. Jesus, deliver me from those desires. I may have a desire to control. I, I like to control things so I can have things my way. I can be comfortable, feel safe, get what I want. 
I, I have a desire for positions or titles or, or for power or money or possessions or wealth or pleasure or comfort. These are disordered desires. We need to be delivered from them. But Christianity, just therapeutic Christianity, is about, you know, God's there to make me feel good about myself. So if I have those desires, he's there to help me solve my problems, help me fulfill those desires. That leads to this third characteristic of therapeutic Christianity. So the first characteristic we've talked about is God is the divine therapist. He's there to solve my problems. Secondly, he's there to make me feel good about myself. And thirdly, he's there to help me pursue my dreams. That's the third point. Why is God there? He's there to help me pursue my dreams. I've got my plans. I got my dreams. And God's going to just, you know, he wants me to dream. And then he's there to help me and assist me achieve my goals in life. That's not Christianity, my friends. Jesus never said, pick up your dream and follow me. <laughs> he said, pick up your cross and follow me. Now, don't get me wrong. It's great to have plans and dreams and all that, but we always want to be a little detached from them. We want to set them before the feet of the Lord and say, Lord, I, I want this, but only if it's your will. I trust your will more than my own. Lord, I really want this. I think this would be really good for the company, or this would be really good for our family, or this would be really good for the parish. That's awesome to have plans and dreams, but we should always present them before the Lord and say, if this be your will, Lord, because we should always be so open to God's dream, God's plan, God's will. He sees so many things we don't see. I might think this is what my children need, or this is what I, we need to do in this, in this effort, and I don't see the whole God does. And I have to be really open and detached, open to God's will. My wife was reading recently a reflection from Magnificat um, from a Dominican poet by the name of Father Dominic Rover. And in this prayer, this is beautiful. It's very countercultural. It's certainly counter to the therapeutic Christianity culture out there today. Uh, Father Rover says, Lord Jesus, be Lord of me. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Not Lord Jesus, help me with my problems. Not Lord Jesus, help me feel good about myself. Not Lord Jesus, help me fulfill my dreams. But Lord Jesus, be the Lord of me. In other words, may you really be the Lord, the master of my life, the king of my life, sitting on the throne of my heart. Lord Jesus, be the Lord of me and let your plans for me come true before my dreams despoil them. <laughs> I love that. Uh, let, let your plans come true for me before my dreams despoil them. In other words, many times we run after something with this great desire, but it's not good. I think this is what I want, but what I want may not really be good for my marriage or what I want may not be good for my children or might not be what the parish really needs. So Lord, may you be the Lord and may your plans be fulfilled. May your plans come true in me, not my dreams. That's, that's, a to that's real surrender right there. When I pray like Jesus in Gethsemane, not my will, but your will may be done. You see, I, I want to talk in closing here. I want to give a couple practical examples of where we see the danger of this therapeutic Christianity and, and what we miss out on when we, when we don't lift high the cross. I think we, we should be men and women who lift high the cross in our hearts, in our minds, in our families, in our parishes, in our friendships. Uh, the cross is the center of the Christian life, and yet therapeutic Christianity doesn't really talk about the cross. It's just, oh, Jesus died for you. Again, Jesus did something for you. Yeah, he died for you, but he didn't die so that you don't have to. That's not Catholicism. That is not a Catholic understanding of the cross. Jesus did not die so you don't have to. No, Jesus died so that he could rise again and, and send the Spirit into our hearts so that we 
could love like he loves so that we could die to ourselves like he died to himself and find a greater life. That's the mystery of the cross. The mystery of the cross is the mystery of self-giving. It's the mystery that I find myself when I die to myself, when I give up and I sacrifice and I serve, when I, when I give my life away to God or to the people in my life, that's when I find myself. But therapeutic Christianity is focused on self. It's focused on what God does for me. He solves my problems. He makes me feel good and he fulfills my dreams. That's what God does. He solves my problems, helps me feel good about myself, and helps me pursue my dreams. Let's lift high the cross. Let's have a Christian gospel. Here's five things, just really quickly in closing, of ways we can see this in our lives. When we have troubles in, in our community life, you know, let's say it's in your workplace or in the parish or in your marriage or in your family, what do you do when there's problems, there's tension, there's hurt feelings? What do you do? This will reveal if you tend to have a therapeutic Christianity in your heart or the true gospel. How do you feel when you feel unappreciated, when you're misunderstood, when you're let down, when there's hurtful words spoken against you, when you feel abandoned, let down by the people you thought you know were your friends and loved you? Do you tend to get so discouraged and give up or do you tend to get angry at other people, you know, these are opportunities to meet Jesus in the cross. Do we see that? It, it, what you what you follow, what you, what you listen to, what what you watch, what you read, is it reminding you of the cross? Does it remind you of Jesus? Because Jesus on Good Friday, he was very unappreciated. He was very misunderstood. He was rejected by the people he came to save. He was let down by his closest friends, all but one, ran away. <laughs> There were many hurtful words spoken against him. He suffered tremendously. He was abandoned. Do you realize every time you experience those same emotions with friends, community, family life, you have a wonderful opportunity to unite yourself to Jesus, to meet Jesus in those those sufferings, to meet him in the cross? Or do you tend to run away and get frustrated and, and get angry and discouraged? You know, when those problems come up in relationships, another thing we tend to do is we tend to just blame other people for those problems. Like the problem's out there. It's not inside me. It's out there. It's the company doesn't understand. If my boss was just, were just a better boss, things would be better. Or if my, my colleagues in the office just treated me better, things would be better. It's, it's the problem is out there. It's this situation out there. Or it's my spouse. My spouse is just doesn't appreciate me. My spouse doesn't understand what, what's going on. My spouse uh, is not loving me. Uh, my, my children aren't behaving well. I, I, I blame others. The problem is out there, and I just hope that the, the situation out there will change. That is not Christianity. Christianity always holds up the cross and reminds me the biggest problem is not out there. It's me. <laughs> That's what G.K. Chesterton said. What's the biggest problem in the world? He said, um, me. <laughs> what is Jesus asking me to do? That's what I should ask. When I experience these hardships in life that come up all the time, when I experience these, these sufferings and trials, I should ask, what is Jesus asking of me? How is he inviting me to change? This is an opportunity to grow in patience, maybe. Maybe it's an opportunity to grow in trust. Maybe it's an opportunity to, to grow in suffering. Maybe he's just giving me an opportunity to grow in courage, to endure suffering better, to persevere through hard things. That's all really good. 
But my friends, if you're taking in heavy doses of therapeutic Christianity, it's not going to help you when you face the cross. Let's lift high the cross. How about prayer? You know, we could view, you know, when prayer gets hard and I don't feel close to God and prayer is dry, I'm not getting a lot of feedback in my prayer life. My temptation is to give up, to cut corners on prayer, to not pray as much, to just start reading in the chapel instead of really listening and sitting with God. You know, I'm just not comfortable praying anymore because I'm not getting anything out of it. Again, the therapeutic Christianity gets me to view prayer as more about what God's going to do for me. You know, does he give me this feeling? No, when, when those moments of dryness come in prayer, it's an opportunity to unite myself to Jesus more in the cross. Because love is not about feelings, it's about faithfulness. Will I be faithful to prayer? Will I just show up? Even if I don't get anything out of it, Jesus didn't get a lot out of Good Friday. It didn't feel good, but he was there for us. Will you be there for him in prayer, even when it's hard, every day, consistently? faithfully? What about when you have little difficulties that come up in life, little sufferings that come up? You know, we can tend to complain. We tend to whine about the food or it's cold or it's hot or my boss or the kids aren't behaving well. Did Jesus complain on Good Friday? I think if I have the cross on my mind regularly, I think I'm going to be more likely to endure the little crosses I face in my daily life. So let's just think about the diet we're taking in on a regular basis. You know, one of my kids is really in love with sugar. I have to tell you, now all my kids like sugar, I'm sure. But I have one child in particular that she is just like, I have to be very careful. If she finds a bag of cookies, a bag of candies, she may go after the whole thing. She loves sugar. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a brownie or a piece of candy from time to time. But if that becomes your main diet, it's not healthy for your body. And the same thing I, I want to propose to you, if, if we are taking in regular diets of popular therapeutic Christianity in what we follow on social media, what we watch, what we listen to, if that's our main diet for forming our soul, that's not going to be healthy for our soul. You know, think about this. The, the, the things that you're watching, the things that you're reading, the things you're listening to, are they challenging you to embrace the cross? Or do you tend to like these things because they make you feel good? You feel affirmed. You feel inspired. You feel encouraged. Okay, nothing wrong with that a little bit. But I, want, I just want to highlight the true influencers, the real Catholic influencers are the saints. They're the ones that influence the world. They change the world around them. But they do it by pointing to the cross. They do it by pointing to the cross. Be weary. Be wary of those that don't point to the cross those that stay clear of the cross, those that tend to draw more attention to themselves instead of Jesus Christ crucified. There are many popular therapeutic kind of forms of Catholicism out there that avoid talking about tough church teachings because you don't get a lot of likes and followers when you stand up for marriage and when you stand up for Genesis 1.27 that God made us male and female or whatever other tough teaching you want to you tackle out there. They, they tend to stay clear of the cross. Because it's hard to hold up the cross. The cross is never popular. To call people to repent, to talk about sin, to challenge people. What are you taking in on a regular basis? Let's lift high the cross first and foremost in our own minds. Let's lift up the cross in our own hearts, in our own souls. And then let's lift it up high for our, our marriages, 
for our children and our families. Let's lift it up high for our friends. Lift it, lift it up high in our parishes. Let us talk about the cross because in the cross is where we find true freedom. It's only when we die to ourselves that God's grace can take over and liberate us from all that keeps us from him. When we die to ourselves, we will find ourselves. When we give ourselves away, we receive so much more in return. That, my friends, is the very heart of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. Once again, if you want to get those show notes, text All Things Catholic to 33777. All one word, All Things Catholic, all one word to 33777. Get the weekly show notes. Pray for me, pray for you, and let's lift high the cross.